All right, teachers, welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. And once again, I have Jessica here with me. So nice to be here. It's fun. <laughs> and it is fun. And what you guys don't know behind the scenes is we're recording these episodes back to back. So we literally just finished recording the episode from last week and now we're recording this week's episode. And we're going to try to figure out one more to do because our husbands are in charge of all of our children. <laughs> so we're just getting it done. This is like a nice break. I'm like locked in the bedroom. No one's bothering me. We can just keep on going. <laughs> keep <here>. going all <laughs> day. We'll just record a hundred episodes. That would be awesome. And then we'd be good for the whole year. Right. Right. Mm, oh, talk about batch planning like talk we did last about week. How <laughs> apropos is that? <laughs> I love it. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the six must-do habits of a kick-butt lesson planner. And before we dive into today's episode, if you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, we talked all about three tips for batch lesson planning, really made the argument for why you should be doing it. Um, So even though, you know, this is April when these episodes are airing, I still think a lot of this is going to be helpful um, for your situation for the rest of the school year, you know, batch batch lesson planning and these tips that we're going to share with you today um, just for your online world or your distance learning that you're doing right now. But then make sure you remember all of this because we will be going back to school at some point life will return to some semblance of normalcy. It would be different, obviously, for a lot Mm -hmm. of us. But um, don't forget this, right? Keep these ideas and um, these concepts, these tips in your back pocket to make your life so much easier. Right. And I think this is a good time to take to reflect on our teaching. Like, What are some changes we do want to make in our lives after this whole distance learning experience and this shelter in place? Like, What can we do to make our lives better and stronger and um, have a more balanced approach to our teaching and personal life. And I think that's what kind of what we're talking about today to, to bring some positive changes yes. back to teaching. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great frame to kind of look at it through Jess. Um, so let's get into this. We're going to share six of these ideas with you. Um, and we want to talk before we, you know, dive into this, we do want to say like, Jess, can I really feel like we've gotten to a point where we consider ourselves to be pretty good lesson planners at this point. Yeah. Uh, kick butt lesson planners. Yeah. <laughs> And we're saying kick butt because we can't say the other word because it's a non-explicit podcast and we want to make it family friendly and, you know, school appropriate. Um, (laughs) Which I had no idea. I had the title written and Caitlin's like, we can't, we can't say that. Um, but it is a huge part of our jobs, right? For the EB Teachers Club, this is what we do all the time mm-hmm. is we're constantly developing and creating lessons and lesson planning. Um, and so we're going to share some of the things that we've learned over the years about effective lesson planning and things that, that you really want to start implementing yourself to, to right. become that kick butt lesson planner as well. Yeah. So let's dive right in. I'm going to actually start with number one, because I feel like this is exactly what I do with our EB Teachers Club content. And it's to start with the big picture. So to be a kick butt lesson planner, take a look at your entire year. What are the big topics or the big units you need to cover? So when I'm planning content for our EB teachers, I have my calendar in front of me and I say, okay, what standards do we need to cover this year? And where are they going to best fit in the year, right? So for example, um, our EB teachers had been saying, we need more grammar ideas. And so I said, okay, great. We can have a grammar boot camp lesson. Well, it doesn't make sense for me to do a grammar boot camp bundle of lessons in you know, March. I want to do that at the beginning of the year to really set the tone for the year. So as a teacher, when we look at our units or our plans, when is best for whatever you want to plan? 
when I taught fifth grade and I would teach the Westing game every year, it's like, if you know me, it's one of my favorite books <laughs> ever to teach, but there was no way I was going to do that at the beginning of my year. It's a really complicated book. So I would pencil it in for, you know, end of April and May. And that's when I would teach it. And just knowing, okay, that's where that topic is going in my calendar. Now I can work backwards when I go mega batch my plans and I can work with my standards for that. So I think just big picture ideas, jot them down for the year ahead and keep track of them. If it didn't work one year, okay, you're going to move that around the following year. So that's tip number one. Start with the big picture, jot down the units you need to um, cover and where they're best going to fit in your schedule. Perfect. I love that. And I think just that's so important to have in mind is like, what is the year going to look like? Right. So that we're not, you know, in March planning day to day and we have no idea. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like looking at the, looking at the forest from a 30,000 foot view at the beginning of the year, as opposed to being in the trees, in the weeds, <laughs> not being able to see where you're going by the time yeah. March rolls around. And that's when we like freak out and become overwhelmed and stressed out. Um, so yeah, that's a huge one. So number two, moving on to the next one is don't wait until the last minute. And that's kind of goes along with what I was just saying that we want to batch our lesson plans. And this really, really is key. So if you have not listened to last week's episode yet, please go back and listen to that. We've talked to you about kind of what that looks like, how you're going to do that. Um, And I'm not going to go into huge detail here because that was a whole like 20 minute episode that we just did. So I would urge you to go back and listen to last week's episode, which is episode number, let me find it. Episode number 62. So three tips to start batch planning your lessons. Go listen to that one. Um, And that's tip number two is don't wait until the last minute. Batch your lesson plans. All right, move on to number three. Yes, and this is a fun one, everyone. I actually, I love this one. But I will (laughs) admit that Caitlin and I are, we weren't good at this tip until more recently. Mm -hmm. And this one is to celebrate when you've mega batched your lesson plans, right? So you want to acknowledge that you worked really hard. You planned out ideally two months worth of content and you probably spent, you know, several hours or a big chunk of a day planning in detail all your lessons. Okay. Go reward yourself. Go have that glass of wine or go get your nails done or go on a walk at the beach or whatever it is, but do something to celebrate and like honor all the hard work you do, you've done so that your mind, your body kind of knows that feeling of celebration and you become used to it. You're creating that habit and you're going to then say, oh, that's what that feels like when I've accomplished something. I get to have this fun little adventure or activity. And then you can look forward to that next time. And like I said, Caitlin and I, we were not good at this. We've gotten this advice um, in our business for when we accomplish, you know, really major projects that we're working on. And people would say, well, how did you go celebrate? You did a great job with that project. And we were like, oh, I we didn't. Know. We just went back to work <laughs> yes. and everyone was like, you can't do that. And yeah. so it really took us time to say, okay, we're not going to, you know, work for a weekend. We're going to go out to dinner or read a book for fun or whatever it was, but acknowledge all the hard work you've done. Yeah. Again, a fun one. I love that one. I think that that, and it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also so important because like you said, it is telling us like our subconscious and our conscious mind, Hey, what you just did was amazing. Let's recognize that together. So exactly Mm -hmm. like you 
are going to want to do it again because you know what that reward feels like. And that is such a problem for us. We've gotten a little bit better. I will say it's still something that I feel like I have to work on because I'm constantly go, 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 like want to do the next thing, want to do the next project, want to do the next thing. Um, but just taking a moment to recognize your hard work, but beyond just saying, Oh, I did a good job. Like showing yourself something through some type of action is huge. Um, I'm glad you put that one in there, Jess. That one's great. Definitely. So like number, a little mindset one. It's important. Totally. And uh, yeah. And it's all about our mindset, right? Like mm-hmm. it just, that's so interesting. It is so much about what goes on in our mind impacts yeah. like the whole rest of our life. Um, so number three is celebrate once you've successfully mega batched your lessons. Number four, moving on to the next one is to rinse and repeat your activities. And these are things that like the kids love doing Socratic seminars, silent debates, investigation tale trails. We talk about uh, popcorn predictions. We've talked about that on the podcast before, but just because you've done it once doesn't mean you can't do it again and again and again. And again, just with different content because the kids love it. You know, if they love that activity, why not bring it back into the classroom? And I like to think of this. My brother was telling me something interesting. My brother is in um, marketing and he was saying it's something called like the moving parade or like the moving circus, right? We see something all the time. So we are like, oh, people are always seeing that, right? Or like our kids are always doing that activity because we're the ones planning it, right? And when we batch lesson plan, we like put in Socratic seminar, Socratic seminar, Socratic seminar. But for our kids, it's like they do the Socratic seminar but then they do all of these other things in between the next Socratic seminar. So they've almost forgotten what that Socratic seminar was like. Whereas for us as teachers on the outside, we're like, oh, we're doing it so often. But that's not the experience that our kids have. And so it's kind of like a marketing principle of like advertising or something like that that my brother was telling me. I was like, that is so interesting and so applicable wow. to this concept of not being afraid to rinse and repeat your activities. Um, and that I like that. that. I, isn't it? In- I like that. Yeah, too. I I've like, never heard huh. that concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like how it's called like the moving parade. Um, it's just a well, funny. And there's, there's so many benefits to this, right? So I'm just thinking like you rinse and repeat activities. Well, it's perfect for your students because they're just going to become stronger and stronger at them. Maybe the first time they do an investigation trail or popcorn predictions, you know, they do a good job, but then a month later when they do it again with other content, they're going to have that schema, right? That background knowledge of the activity, and they're going to be able to push themselves even further. So they're just going to get better and better at mastering those standards. Yeah. And it's like practicing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why would you do a skill one time and then just be like, all right, we're done. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I think also for the teachers, the benefit is it's going to save you time lesson planning, right? If you say, okay, I need some kind of like hook activity to get my students ready for this new novel. Oh yeah. Popcorn predictions. I'm going to use that. Well, great. You're going to be able to plan out that lesson plan so quickly when you're mega batch planning Yeah, just spread them out throughout your calendar. So good. I love it. Yeah. All right. Number five. Next tip. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to be a kick butt lesson planner, you got to balance the rigor and the fun. And we actually talked a little bit about this in last week's episode as well, but have those ELA common core state standards or whatever standards you're using for your state in front of you. Know them well, right? Plan all your lessons around them so that you're ensuring your students are meeting those standards, doing rigorous work, challenging themselves, but have fun with them, right? So no one's going to be too excited to find the main idea of an informational text article if you're just giving your kids the article and saying, okay, 
underline the main idea. Let's all find a supporting detail. Like that's boring, frankly. And we can elevate that. So if we're able to tie some fun in there and like perhaps use an investigation trail where students are reading an article and walking around the room and answering questions and kind of competing against other groups, well, that's going to be so much more engaging for them, right? And they're probably more likely to internalize the concept, do better with it and be like, oh, can we do that again? Right. So if we are constantly saying, okay, how can I balance the rigor and balance the fun in my lessons? Well, it's a win-win because your students are more engaged. They're doing better with the material and you're more excited to teach. And when you're more excited to teach, you're going to want to plan these really high quality lessons and be that kick butt lesson planner. Totally. And you're going to be more ready to wake up at 545 on Monday morning <laughs> right? and go to school because you've got a freaking awesome lesson plan ready yes. to go for your kids. Absolutely. It just changes the game. Um, so moving on to the last one, number six, and this one is simple, but key, and that is to have emergency substitute plans completely copied, ready to go in a binder or a folder on your desk. And so this is really important because you know, things come up sometimes. You might be late to school. Your kid might get sick. And like, I mean, you might get sick. That's a big one too. And we have to be able to feel confident in the plans that we're leaving behind that we're not leaving a wasted day. You know, so often right. it feels like that. Like, oh, I have to go to school even though I don't feel well because I don't want to fall behind or I don't want my kids to completely lose a day of, of English with me. But if you find emergency sub plans that you know, our standards aligned, like Jessica was talking about, that are rigorous, that are engaging, that are fun for them, but that the kids can do completely independently with the sub just giving them direction, you're not going to have a day wasted because they will still be working on standards-based skills. And I think this is important to note. I'm just reflecting back. So I know I saw you like kind start of a thinking, story here, right? <laughs> so right after college, I lived, one of my roommates was, um, another teacher. We had gone to college together. And I distinctly remember, like she was this amazing teacher, but there were a few times in the year where she got sick and she would wake up early in the morning. She would drive to her school before the day began. She would map out all her lessons because she didn't want it to be a wasted day with the sub. And then she'd drive home and crawl back into bed. And I'm just like, why did she do that to herself? But it was like, she cared so much for her kids. But if we can have quality sub plans, like copied, ready to go, just sitting in our, on our desk, ready. Then when you're sick, oh my gosh, go back to bed, you know, send the quick email and be like, here's where they're located and forget about it. Like take care of your body and don't put this extra pressure on ourselves that like everything has to be perfect. You were prepared, you planned ahead. And it's like, it's just, peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have, I, I can even envision like my substitute plant, like a binder, my emergency sub plans, right? Everything was copied. Like I had the student desks in there, our schedule, like every, I think we actually have a whole blog post about we it. Probably. Do we do. We do. I'll include that uh, link in the show notes. So you can go read about that specific, um, way that I set that up. Uh, cause I think that's really helpful. Um, but it is, it just takes a weight off of your shoulders and it really is a part of being uh, that kick butt lesson planner because you are planning for something that is going to come up, that you are going to get sick. Something is going to happen and you're going to need to use those plans. And it's just so nice to have them in a binder on your desk or on your shelf, ready to go. And you don't have to worry about it. Definitely. I love that. Say something else? Well, I'm just thinking it's just so easy and simple but how many of us are not doing it or weren't right. doing it? And yeah. it's like, 
find a good one you like on Teachers Pay Teachers or create your own and just have it ready. And who knows, it might gather dust during the year. Well, great. You didn't need it, but it's just like so nice to have it. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Well, we have one. We have emergency sub plans. I think how many lessons are there? Six in there? In ours? Yeah, I think there are. It's I enough so. those to get the, you through several periods. Yeah. Those are the exact ones that I used. So I just copied all of our resources or all of our um, activities from that resource. So I'll include the link for that for you guys as well. So you can check it out if it's something that you're interested in. Um, but to kind of wrap things up, we'll reiterate, we'll go through all of this six must-do habits one more time. So number one is to start with the big picture. Number two is do not wait until the last minute. <laughs> number three, fun and important one, celebrate once you have successfully mega batched your lessons. Number four is to rinse and repeat your activities. Five, balance the rigor and the fun. And number six, have emergency sub plans ready to go. And that's it. Nice. That's it. Cool. Keep it simple. Yep. All right, you guys, I hope that you are doing well, hanging in there. Um, and, uh, Hopefully these podcast episodes are bringing you some sense of normalcy in what is otherwise not a normal time in our lives. And we'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye guys. Have a good day, everyone.